right, everyone, we are back with another episode of the Quadruple Option Podcast. As always, it is Chris, joined by Ryan, Frank, and Nick. What is going on, boys? What's up, sir? Sir, hello. Gentlemen, another fine, fine night, another fine weekend of football. Another fine weekend of football, indeed. One that lasts a little bit longer with Tuesday night football just ending as we are setting down to record. That feels weird to say. It just it felt weird coming out of my mouth, guys. I don't know if I can get used to saying Tuesday night football, but probably not the last one we're going to have this season. So, as always, we are back to recap week five of the NFL season. Real quick before we get started, just reminding everyone, you guys can follow us on Twitter at QuadPodFootball and leave us a like and a subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We really appreciate the support. And if you guys have any ideas for segments or anything you want us to talk about, just drop us a comment on Twitter or on Apple Podcasts. So getting started with Thursday Night Football, Buccaneers 19. Bears 20. Nick, this one is going to be you and I. Please sing me the praises of your 4 and one Chicago Bears. The song that it would be. Uh, the, the Bears are 4 and one uh, and probably uh, the most unconfident I could be in a 4 and one team because they definitely sh- probably shouldn't be. Uh, but my, uh, my word uh, of the week is actually going to be brought to you by a number, the number four. As in Tom Brady thought it was fourth down because he got hit so many damn times he couldn't remember what down it was at the end of the game. The Bears defense won this game, pure and simple. Cleo Mack was Cleo Mack. I mean, he'd been dealing with an injury for uh, the first few weeks, and you could see the difference. Um, Everybody, I'm sure, has seen the viral video of him literally just chucking uh, Tristan Wirfs to the ground because he was on his arm. Uh, Mack was all over the place. And because he was and they were putting so much to him, other players started stepping up and you started seeing other guys get pressure. Um, Tom Brady was, was pissed blatantly. Um, he was yelling and going at his offensive line the entire fourth quarter. Um, and, they're, and they're why we won. Um, Nick Foles, anybody that watched that game, I mean, he's a streaky quarterback. He's been a streaky quarterback his entire career. And literally that's all he did the entire game. One series, I wanted him benched and out of the game because he couldn't hit anything. And then – the next series, he's making perfect adjustments and floating the ball to David Montgomery for, you know, a 12-yard game um, to get us in scoring position. So it was a very, very poor offensive game. Uh, but that's the type of game we expect from our defense. Uh, we hadn't really seen it this year. Uh, but according to everybody, Tampa Bay was supposed to destroy us. They were, they were going to run us out of the house. So um, it was fun. It was a good game to watch. And, uh, you know, Chris, uh, uh, why don't you tell me why I need to calm down a little bit, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I do think you need to calm down, and we'll get there in a second. But I think the Bears aren't an awful team. They're just not a, a great team. But, yeah, I, uh, I was really sitting here trying to think of a word for this game, Nick, and I was really just, you know, drawing a blank as I sat down looking at it. Pretty similar to how Tom Brady seemed to draw a blank late in the game and forget what fucking down it was, which is inexcusable for an NFL quarterback. Kind of stole my joke on that one, but I had that teed up, so I had to go for it. Uh, oh, the goat of all people forgot what down yes. it was. The, 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 like, the quarterback who's noted for his like mental acuity is like how he wins, forgot, but we'll get there. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say with both of these teams, it seems like two steps forward and one step back this entire season, and it just matched up this week that the Bears were taking their step forward week while the Buccaneers were taking their step back week. Buccaneers were great last week, and they took a step back this week. Bears did not have a good week last week against the Colts, breaking in Nick Foles for the first time, and then they took their step forward this week. So it just kind of matched up. 
that way. It was a coin flip game, so that's why I feel confident saying that. Um, you know, and it worked out that way. The Bears' offense doesn't look pretty, uh, but it's getting the job done enough with that defense. The one thing that's really concerning to me is this is like back-to-back weeks where they've had less than, I think, 50 rushing yards. Very concerning. Obviously, you know, that line's not great, but you need to have a little bit more of a run-pass balance there to be successful. But <laughs> Ryan's, Ryan's throwing a thumbs down right now. you got to have like a little bit of like running success. 30 yards on like 15 carries is just bad because then you're just king on the pass the whole game. But, yeah, uh, Bears took a step forward this game. Foles is going to get more comfortable as year goes. Bucks took a step back. I don't know what to make of them. Uh, they had a good defense. It didn't play great this game. So, yeah, Bears defense is back. Bear down, I guess. Moving on to the Jacksonville fighting Gardner Minshews, 14. Uh, Houston Texans, the newly led, Romeo Cornell led Houston Texans, 30. Ryan and Frank, this was your guys' game. How about a bit of a turnaround for Houston? Yeah, right. All they needed to do was get Bill O'Brien out of the building, and then Deshaun Watson could throw a pass further than 10 yards down the field. That was great. Um, I thought it was impressive that Brandon Cooks got involved in this game. Uh, I know he's, what, three, fourth team in four years or fourth team in five years, is it now? Uh, But the offense looked impressive. It moved the ball down the field despite not having a running game. What else is new? You know, David Johnson almost had 100 yards. The one thing I do want to call out here, Ryan, tell me uh, how good Gardner Minshew did this week because I'm super interested to hear um, how he had to take 50 passes to hit 300 yards. So I'll, um, I'll defer the rest of my time to, you know, the defense. Hey, Joe Burrow had to do the same thing, and we praised him. <laughs> um, no, false. Bo, 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 bo. Ryan has the floor. Frank ceded his time to Ryan. Ryan has the floor. Thank you for the spare time, Frank. Um, I actually didn't have many notes from this game on Minshew. Um, he's kind of just been lower than the three of us had hoped at, at so far. I mean, since he's that, bad? Since that week, he's, bad? he's been playing worse than I think we had hoped and, and thought he was going to be. Again, like I said, I don't really have many notes. Um, he wasn't spectacular. I don't think he was, again, the worst. Uh, I think he's playing definitely fine for where he was drafted. Uh, but, yeah, we, were, we, went, we went a little too hard on that, that take, a little too early this year. Um, my notes that I do have from this game, uh, number one was the Josh Jones hit on Brandon Cooks, uh, the helmet-to-helmet that he got ejected for. That was egregious. That's the reason the rule is there, is for that kind of hit, the the literal Ryan Shazier hit of both helmets down, crown of helmet to crown of helmet, almost like a pancake squish of the helmet. If you remember that that slow-motion hit on Shazier um, that that he laid, like literally his helmet like squished like flat kind of. Like it was was insane. Um, So when he gets up and he's like extremely confused when they call the flag, it's like, dude, shut up. And then they they kick him out eventually and he's like super confused and upset that he's being ejected and he's like slowly sauntering off the field a little bit, like turns around and watches the game for another 30 seconds and saunters off and it's like, bro, get out of here. Um, but continuing that, that was actually the biggest take I had really from the game was cause that shit pissed me off, but he was probably um, confused cause he gave himself a concussion on top of the other guy. Concussion. Thank God they were both, they both popped up right away. Brandon cooks was up real fast too. So like literally blessed that that, that that was the case because it could have went a lot of different other ways. We had some horrific injuries this weekend, but, um, continuing my, uh, my monitoring of the Jags pressures week to week. Last week, we talked about them failing miserably against the bad Bengals O-line. Um, this week, they had the exact same number of pressures versus the questionable Texans O-line. The only sack they had this week uh, was charted actually to Deshaun Watson. So they had no sacks that were uh, fault of the, the O-line at all, um, which is interesting. And speaking of Watson, 
uh, playing his ass off. Um, he really showed me this week that, that he's still the elite talent that, that everyone says he is. Um, so far this year, I'd been struggling to see it in just in flashes here or there, wanting to see it more consistently. Um, but those thoughts are gone now after this week. Um, He's had his highest yards per attempt of the season, his highest completion percentage as well. Um, he's got five interceptions this season, but what you don't see in the stat sheet are the balls tipped off of one guy into the defender's hands or having him having to force deep passes to get Brandon Cooks down the seam against defenses that are expecting it because they're in negative game script. So um, I was extremely impressed with Watson this week. Um, and, you know, he, he's back. And, and I was actually surprised to see them throwing as much as they did uh, on Romeo Cornell's first week as interim head coach. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a game against two teams that aren't going to be in the playoffs. But um, regardless, it was, it, was, it was a fun game to watch, I thought. Quick side note, did you guys know Romeo Cornell is 73 years old? He is older than my grandparents. and He is coaching an NFL team. He's old he enough is, to run for president. He is the oldest coach to ever win a game. Which is insane. Just because he, he, he's just been around forever when they announced that. I was like, oh my God, he's not retired yet. And then I saw the picture and I'm like, how are you not like living in like Palm Springs? Like, I honestly did like, not think he was that old. When, yeah, I heard, yeah. when I heard that earlier, I did not think he was that old. He was born in like 1946, I think. <laughs> he was born at the end of World War II. Uh, all right. Uh, next game Bengals three, Ravens 27. Yeesh. Ryan, Nick, this one's you guys. What uh, did you see here? Yeah, so I don't have a ton of takeaways from this game. It was a pretty ugly game in the rain. Uh, my word for the game is surgery, as in the Bengals are going to need reconstructive surgery or reconstructive surgery to repair all the bad breaks they had in that game. Um, the Baltimore defense looked good. They, they, I, thought, I thought they were pretty smothering, honestly, but I am not all in on the Ravens yet. Chris and I briefly touched it last week how little concerned he is about them. Um, Lamar looked very inaccurate. It was a rainy game. Um, and I'm going to chalk that up to both teams. You know, Burrow had really bad stats if you look at fumbles and interceptions, but uh, I think one interception was a complete rookie move. Um, he's going to have those mistakes. And then uh, he had one that was like must have slipped out of his hand because the thing was like a duck in the air. But um, aside from those, I mean, when I was watching the beginning of the game, uh, Burrow looked pretty good. He was, he was doing everything he could despite that terrible offensive line to make any kind of plays happen. I, I thought – he had some real nice plays there at the start of the game. Um, it got real sloppy, and then they were just in and out of red zone a little bit. But, yeah, it was, uh, it, like I said, not a ton of takeaways. I'm going to kind of chalk that up to bad breaks. Like I said, if that was a, a clean game, I expect Bengals to be a lot closer in that one. Yeah, Ryan, that was, that was – it was an ugly game. I mean, you kind of expect a game like that from the Ravens. I mean, they're going to be consistent. They've got so much talent on that side. Unfortunately, the Bengals just weren't able to keep up. Uh, my word of the week, uh, word of the game, is going to be wink, as in Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator for the Ravens, because he had no respect for Burrow. Uh, he blitzed Burrow fifty nine percent of the time on his dropbacks, and he had pressure on Burrow forty seven percent of the time. So he didn't give Burrow any chance. He wanted to make sure that that rookie had pressure in his face all day long, um, and they were successful at it. He, he struggled because of that. Um, when he did get a clean pocket, he was 15 of 21 for 165 yards. So he was, he was efficient when he had the time. The problem is there's nobody in front of him blocking. Like, literally, I think you could find five other linemen to maybe hold up a little bit better than those guys did Sunday. Um, I know the Ravens' defense is really good, but they were – I mean, 
it was freaking Red Rover, Red Rover, and they just let everybody come over. It, it was bad. Um, they just were able to just open that line up and let everybody get them. So, um, unfortunately, you know, Burrow's got a lot to learn still. Um, hopefully they can get him some talent around him. Uh, the Ravens, they're doing what the Ravens do, man. They're winning, and they're going to punch you in the mouth while they do it. Yeah, Burrow definitely got uh, punched in the mouth this past week. I like that Red Rover alignment. That was really funny. I appreciated that. Yeah, that totally uh, came off the top of the dome, so I'm actually kind of proud of that one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next game up on the docket, Ryan, this one is going to be you and I. Panthers 23, the poor, hopeless Atlanta Falcons 16. Uh, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and get this one started, and then I'll come in after. Okay, my word for this game is actually going to be two words. It's going to be by month. As in the Falcons need a month-long bye to get their players healthy to, to get to them to the level that they can compete in this league. Um, I don't think there's literally a chance they, win a, they would win a game this season with the defense playing like they have um, with the players who have been healthy at least. Um, I mean, the defense is so bad. Teddy Bridgewater, right, widely believed as a bridge quarterback uh, for the Panthers, and not, but, but they made him look like a franchise QB on Sunday. He looked good out there, actually. I was like, oh, my, is this, is, this, uh, is this the future? And I'm like, hold on, hold on. This is the Falcons we're playing. Never mind, no problem. This is a Big Ten defense that, that, that Teddy Bridgewater is playing against. 73% completion, 300-plus yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I'm going to kind of just disregard the Panthers because I think we know who they are. Um, Chris, my question for you, do you think the Falcons are going to end up with a top three pick? Top five, it looks like – it certainly looks like a lock for top five right now with the way they're playing. Uh, and if so, what's the move? Do they take a quarterback? Do they trade down, hold someone's feet over the fire, get some nice picks for someone who needs a quarterback? What's the move, man? I mean, at this point, they're, they're in a bad situation. Yeah, I, I think you have to consider a quarterback. I was talking with actually Frank about this the other day. My gut move would have been, oh, just trade – Matt Ryan, which people are talking about on ESPN this week. Frank uh, so graciously informed me that Matt Ryan is literally untradeable with his dead cap hit. Mike Greenberg was talking on Get Up this morning saying they should trade Matt Ryan this season before the trade deadline. Matt Ryan's dead cap hit is $75 million this season. The cap is $210 million for perspective. Next season, it only drops to 50. So Matt Ryan's not tradable this offseason. He's not tradable next season. He's maybe tradable in the offseason after 2021 when his cap hit is a paltry, like, $25 million. So maybe you do what the Chiefs did if they are picking top three with Mahomes and Alex Smith and you draft a good quarterback and you sit him behind Matt Ryan for a year, who is a good NFL quarterback and has things he could, you know, impart on to a young quarterback. And then they have good talent on the offensive side to help kind of, again, break in, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or whoever it is, the same way the Chiefs broke in Mahomes with good weapons around him after Alex Smith left. So, yeah, I'd say the move is if, if they're in a position for one of the big three, maybe four, if Kyle Trask keeps playing the way he is, quarterbacks, then I think they got to do it. And it's not that I'm saying that, you know, Matt Ryan is the problem, right? That's not what we're saying at all. But we are saying that it looks like it's going to be a bit of a rebuild here, a couple of years for them to really get competitive. Um, to really have any shot at a Super Bowl, and what's the best way to do that? Uh, get a quarterback on a on a you know, on a rookie contract, right? That that's that's the cornerstone of building a, a franchise or a dynasty. Yeah, totally agree. I'll be real short on this one. Uh, I think you said a lot of it. So my word for actually my word is going to be what I am. So I'm going to be efficient with this review, and my word is efficient. Teddy Bridgewater is not sexy, but damn it, he is efficient. 
losing Christian McCaffrey may have been kind of a blessing in disguise for that offense, which is weird to say, I know, but it's forcing a young offensive coordinator and a young head coach to go away from their binky, their favorite toy, and to actually spread the ball around and try new things. They had five design carries to wide receivers, which it's at least inventive. You can argue whether or not it's, you know, a good strategy, but it's at least inventive and it's different. They're using Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson in different ways, which is good. So they move the ball efficiently, methodically. I agree. They made Bridgewater look like an all-pro quarterback, but he's not. And we know that. It's just the Falcons bad. And then on the Falcons side, uh, owner Arthur Blank got this rebuild started efficiently and effectively by firing everybody <laughs> and just, you know, do, doing it quickly. I, I like that they did it quickly, and I think the Texans forced their hand because now – the Falcons are right up there where they can get in early on the head coach and general manager market. And I think they're a more attractive job than the Texans as both a GM and a head coach. So I think this allows them to make sure they get their pick of the litter in terms of, uh, in terms of quarter or coaches and general managers. All right, next game up. And this one was probably the surprise of the weekend, or at least one of the surprises of the weekend Raiders 40 Kansas city chiefs, 32 Frank, you and I have this game. Chiefs are your team. Why don't you tell me what you saw from this game? Uh, so, obviously, you can't win in the division forever. Um, so, I knew it wasn't going to last forever. Uh, the Raiders, to me, are the second-best team in this division. So, this loss is not a surprise. Um, but I thought the, the Raiders did some, some interesting things. Uh, the Raiders held the ball for 35 minutes. They kept the Chiefs' offense off the field for long periods of time. They exploited the Chiefs' defense where they could continually hold on to drives. The other thing the Raiders did that is kind of not conducive to that is they had four plays over 40 yards on offense, which is just huge. The, those big plays uh, using Henry Ruggs' speed, um, Hunter Renfro going 43 yards. Uh, you know, big plays like that are, are what's ultimately um, – you know, going to win games for you. And if the Raiders can do that, if Derek Carr can lead an offense like that, I think that's huge. And uh, we'll set them up for success down the road. Uh, for the Chiefs, I think the next time they play Vegas, they'll, they'll beat them. Um, but for now, it's a loss is what it is. Chris, uh, you, I, I, think, I think you said you were uh, fully on board with the, the Chiefs after this game. So why don't you tell me what you're thinking here? Yes, I stand the Chiefs. I did more math looking up uh, this game for some historical stats than I've done since like my freshman year of college. So my word for the game is lucky, as in the Raiders got stupid lucky and all the Raiders fans just need to like pipe down thinking that they are somehow going to dethrone the king. You know, they say if you're going to come for the king, you can't miss. Well, they didn't miss this one time and they got very lucky. And I'm going to tell you why and exactly how lucky they got. So Derek Carr has started 99 games in his career. Statistically, this was the sixth best game of his career. He's only played better than this five times in his entire career. So Derek Carr just blacked out and started throwing deep and throwing YOLO balls, which is like not who he is. So he just kind of stroked out in the middle and just went off. Uh, additionally, since Mahomes took over as QB1 in Kansas City, they have averaged 32.1 points per game over his 41 starts, going an incredible 32 and nine in that run. Now, the nine teams that have beat them over the last three and a half years have averaged 36.2 points per game to beat them. So the only time the Chiefs have lost is when they are surrendering just ungodly amounts of points. Now, and again, for perspective, this current NFL season is on track to be the highest scoring season in NFL history at an average of 25 and a half ish points per game. So, and that's the best season in history. So if you want to beat the Chiefs, 
again, your, your offense has to black out and play 50% over league average, which is hard to do. Like it's statistically very hard to do, or your defense just has to can play out of their minds. And when you play out of your minds against Kansas city, they're going to score at least 24 points. Since Mahomes took over a starter, they've only scored less than 24 points three times in 41 games. So on your best day as a defense, they're still going to score three touchdowns and kick a field goal. So it's just everything went right for them. The four plays over 40 yards is not Derek Carr. It's not, it's not John Gruden. It's they got lucky with four deep plays and the chiefs defense just tripped up a couple times. And that, that's, that was enough. Like it's so many, it's just a confluence of factors that will not happen a second time when they play in a few more weeks. So it's, Raiders fans, get your licks in, get your jokes in, but it's it's not going to last. The Chiefs are just fine. All right, next game up, Cardinals 30, Jets 10. Once again, another yeesh scoreline this week. Frank, Nick, this one is you guys. What did you think about this game? It was not a great game to watch, to be honest. Um, I mean, I don't know that there's been a Jets game this year that's been great to watch. Um, unfortunately, the, the Jets are, are pretty bad all around. Um, they did have one, one uh, uh, shining star, be Jamison Crowder. You know, with, you know, he had 116 yards of their 195, if that wants to tell you anything about that Jets offense. Um, they are just struggling uh, mightily. Um, and, you know, in, in light of what happened today, my, my uh, word for the game is going to be Bell, as in they no longer have Le'Veon Bell. They decided to release him today after weeks of trying to trade him. Um, I, I'm kind of shocked that they released him. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's more going on in the background. He, he does like to talk, but he was by far their best offensive weapon. I know he's been hurt for a little bit, but um, that's not a guy you just let go and you take that money uh, when you have no talent on that team. But uh, apparently they couldn't get anybody to trade for him, which most likely was for his contract, not necessarily him as a player. Um, I expect him to sign pretty quickly here. Um, Cardinals, you know, they won this game 30 to 10. I fully expected the Cardinals to win this game. Uh, Kyler Murray is continuing his uh, relationship with DeAndre Hopkins, getting better and better, getting that connection down. Um, they had their highest average of depth of target this week at 17.1. Um, so they're definitely starting to get that long ball going with him and Hopkins. My big concern, though, right now with those Cardinals is Isaiah Simmons. Eighth pick in the draft, highly touted coming out of college. Frank, I'm going to shoot this over to you because I'm kind of curious your, your perspective because you, you're a big college guy. Isaiah Simmons played a ton of positions, corner, safety, linebacker. Is he struggling with the transition because – it's going to the NFL or is the coaching staff struggling to learn how to use him properly? He's not a typical player. He, he's a guy that you can use in a lot of different ways. So is it him or is it, do you think maybe more of the Arizona defense or coordinator just doesn't know how to use him? Right. This is a really good question. Um, so I think the big thing with Isaiah Simmons is the defensive staff does not know what to do with him right now. Um, when you look at, what he does well, you line him up all over the field and he makes plays. That's what he did in college. That's what made him so special. There are players like that nowadays more often than not. And they have a guy like Hassan Reddick who was the same thing, right? Oh, he's super athletic. He can cover sideline to sideline. Great. Put him in a position to do that. Don't line him up in the slot on certain plays. Don't, you know, don't move him around. If you think that Isaiah Simmons is a linebacker, play him at linebacker. If you think he's a safety, move him to safety. 
um, and then put him up in the box if you think that that's what he can do. I just, I just think, I mean, we talked about this pre-draft, that if you're going to take a guy like Isaiah Simmons, you have to have a plan. You can't just say, well, he's one of 11 starters on the defense and we're going to let him run wild and he's going to make plays. That's not how it works in the NFL. That can work in college when you're playing Duke and Syracuse and teams like that, but you can't do that in the NFL. You know, Joe Flacco will make you look bad. As bad as Joe Flacco will look, he can still make you look bad, right? So uh, I think for sure it's on the defensive staff to put him in the right place to succeed, and he will make plays, but it's going to take some time, it looks like. Now, uh, my one word for the game is superstar, and that is what the Cardinals did and what team, more teams should look at doing is trading for a superstar. Uh, getting a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, getting a guy who can make plays for you, make things look easy, make things easier on your second year quarterback. That's how you're going to succeed. And they did it without trading a first round pick. So if you can take a first round pick and take that stab on Isaiah Simmons um, and then go ahead and add a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, you're going to succeed. And I, and I, I think those are the right kind of moves. And for a team that we laughed at, I think a lot of people laughed at, uh, justifiably so on some of the decisions that they've made, drafting Jonathan Rosen, then trading him away. And yeah, we can, we can make a laundry list of Arizona Cardinal jokes. But the big thing to me is, is the fact that they went out, got a superstar for their quarterback, and now are much more successful. All you need to find is a Bill O'Brien. We all have them in our fantasy league. We all have them, you know, in our Madden leagues. We all have them in real life. And you just got to find them and abuse them before they get fired or quit. Oh, man. All right, Ryan, you and I are back again with the next game. Eagles 29, Steelers 38, pulling out the big dub for them. Battle of Pennsylvania. Ryan, what did you think about this game? Yeah, this game was pretty interesting. Uh, like you said, battle for Pennsylvania. I don't know how many times the damn announcer said, or was it uh, It was uh, the red zone guy, I can't remember his name, who said it was like the Keystone State battle. He literally must have said it like six or seven times. Like, all right. That's enough. Just saying we're taking you back to Pennsylvania. I don't need to hear it. I don't give a shit about either one of these damn teams. I don't need to hear this. Um, but my word for this game is persevere. Um, and that's the Eagles and Wentz. And as hard, as hard as they are trying to persevere with the injuries they've been dealt, um, in my opinion, they're basically like a less talented Falcons team. They've been hit just as hard with the injuries, in my opinion. And at the same time, I don't think Doug Peterson is doing them any favors um, with his, his play calls. On the uh, Miles Sanders 74-yard run, uh, that was a, a draw on third and nine. Uh, that's not something you should really be doing. I know guys think they're slick sometimes, and it works like maybe one out of every ten times, honestly. It's probably the real rate that it is. Um, and he got lucky there. Uh, but that's the kind of shit that he's been doing for them. Doug Peterson is not looking like a good head coach right now. Uh, Wentz can't do it alone. He needs good play calls. Um, but it just shows how little confidence he has in Wentz and, and the whole off the passing game in general there, uh, which is pretty sad to see. Wentz had, a, I think, a decent game personally, maybe his best game of the year, and that's not saying much. But um, And the Steelers, um, Claypool, obviously going to be the huge story coming out of this one. Four touchdowns, everyone, you know, talking about how he's going to be such a superstar in the future. And it's like, that's real cool. It's like, did you know who he was before he ran his 40-yard dash? No, of course you didn't, you chump. Uh, but they, they, uh, Ryan, this just in, Claypool scored again. Oh, shit. All right. Yeah, Clay, that was the story, right? It was like it came up, and it was like, damn, that'd be so cool if Claypool had another touchdown, and then he scored again. It was like, awesome. This is cool. Claypool's dope. Um, we saw him at the Senior Bowl, 
Um, that was tight. So seeing him do this this week is really great to see. Um, and then obviously the ways they used him too, right? Um, as a running back, um, bubble screens, like it's like shit that you don't really even expect them to use him in. The Steelers, they, they don't give a shit. They're going to do anything they got to do to get him involved. And I think Deontay Johnson, he, he went down a little early in that game, missed most of it. Um, too, so I don't know what the injury was, but he came back right at the end, I think. Um, I think he's got some competition now. Obviously, the fans are going to want to see Claypool starting next week. I'm a fan of Deontay Johnson. Uh, I think uh, he's a very good receiver, a great route runner. Um, but he's going to take some snaps away, I think, for sure now um, from Deontay. And then I think James Washington will also lose snaps for sure. But I don't think he'll ever be completely – removed from the lineup just from his uh his big play ability but, but yeah yeah Chris tell me what you saw from this one yeah obviously Claypool's stat line was incredible seven catches 110 yards three receiving touchdowns also a rushing touchdown taking your 6'4 240 pound wide receiver and running him on just because like you can and he's bigger than everybody else I think the thing that was really impressive to me which is you got to dig a little deeper into the box or to see but he had 11 targets on those seven catches for 110 yards. Juju had six targets. James Washington had four or five targets. Deontay had like two targets. Like this staff and Ben and Tomlin, they trust Claypool really quickly. For someone that was a athletic project that can't turn, is going to have to be a tight end, body catches, all the things, all the things we saw in the scouting reports before the draft that we didn't see it mobile and we were down there for the senior boys. You know, it, he's proving everyone wrong and he's becoming a real focal point of that that offense so and that leads me to my word which is scary and then the Steelers are back to looking like a very scary team coming out of the AFC you know Claypool being a new weapon for them on top of all the other young receivers they have and this team knows how to develop receivers we've seen them do it for a freaking decade now they just pump out good wide receivers they identify guys in the middle rounds and then they buy low when other teams don't and they turn them into freaking superstars happens everywhere and, you know, and on top of the offense, Big Ben's back looking normal, but you've got T.J. Watt is playing really well, and this defense this year is turning career role players like Tyson Alawalu is having a career year this year at, like, you know, interior defensive line. So this team is firing on all cylinders. I'm really excited to watch them going forward, and especially this coming weekend when they play the Browns. I think that is going to be a really big game for both the teams of how good are both these teams because it is going to be strength on strength on both sides of the ball. They match up really similarly on paper. So I'm excited to, uh, I'm excited to watch that game this weekend and see what the Steelers do going forward. Next game up, Rams 30, the Washington football team. I didn't say the R word this week. Go me. Ryan, Nick, this is you guys. What did you think about this one? I had no interest in watching this game. Um, I, I literally, the sacrifices we have to do for this podcast, guys, this is not a game that we were interested in watching. Um, however, after Kyle Allen went down, I got very interested in this game. Um, my, uh, my word of the week is another number, 693. That's the amount of days that it's been since Alex Smith had that gruesome injury. And this man got back on a field and played football. He had countless surgeries, absolutely just, his knee was completely destroyed. And this man got back on the field. And one of the, one of the cool things I heard of why he did it was for his sons. He wanted to show his sons that you could do anything if you put your mind to it. He didn't want to just call it a career and say, oh, I'm done. He really wanted to do it as a proving point. And I mean, that, that, I think that's huge for the person that he is. Um, you've always heard that he's a good guy, genuinely a good person. 
So you really feel for him, man. When, when he went in and he threw that first pass to J.D. McKissick and you see his wife's reaction and his kids cheering for him, and that, that was a huge moment for him. You could see the smile and the grin on his face. Not much I have to say about the game. I just feel bad for Alex Smith because apparently the Rams didn't give a shit that he was fucking broken two years ago because they sacked his ass six times. Like, literally, they didn't care. They were like, you know what? He might not be able to run anymore. And they just went at him. So, um, you know, this game is exactly what we predicted, you know, or anybody, if you wanted to, where the Rams just going to destroy the team. They're not very good. But it was a great story to see Alex Smith out there. Um, hopefully – you know, he can make it through this season and then hopefully retire because, I, you know, I would hate for him to get hurt again. So uh, what would you see, Ryan? I, I know you were really excited about this one. Yeah, my excitement is the same level as yours. kind of stems from where everyone else was wanting to watch, and that was Alex Smith obviously returning to the game. My word for the game is going to be reevaluate, as in Alex Smith is, is currently reevaluating his decision to work so hard to come back only to be sacked over and over and, and treated like shit from Aaron Donald. Um, yeah, that was uh, – that was kind of hard to watch. I, I personally was watching, and like you said, after like the first completed pass, they're showing his wife and his kids in the stands, and they're happy. And then but I had like a tear in my eye. I was like, this is just beautiful to watch. And then he just goes down and down, is getting crumpled. There was one play, I don't even remember who it was. Someone jumped on his back to no, sack. That him. was Aaron Donald that went koala status, like a yes. kind of backpack with knives in it. That he was trying to absolutely murder poor Alex Smith. Yeah, if there's a way to re-injure someone's leg, it's to put a 300-pound man on their back and just watch his legs crumple underneath him, man. It was kind of horrific to watch. And like I said, I was kind of in the same boat of his wife at that point. I was like, I don't want to watch this anymore. Like, that's scary to watch. Um, but, yeah, I didn't really see a whole lot else in this game either. Um, blowout game, kind of like you expected. The Rams still looking good. Um, something I noticed just picked out of there, um, Darrell Henderson getting a – most of the carries on that team, Cam Akers was healthy, I believe. And Darrell Henderson getting the goal line carries, getting getting most of the carries. Malcolm Brown came out a couple times. I never saw Cam Akers come out. I didn't watch the full game. I was watching Red Zone. But I didn't see Cam Akers on the field at all. Uh, Malcolm Brown a couple times out. Like I said, he's kind of the one who's been taking those goal line carries. So to see Darrell Henderson um, get those, those valuable touches and stuff is interesting. And then obviously um, take away for the, uh, the football team side, yeah, I don't know if Haskins is really the problem, man. I don't think none of those QBs. I mean, Kyle Allen came in. It looked okay to start, right? Threw a touchdown. Um, but it, he didn't really look that good after that. Alex Smith obviously looked like shit. I feel bad. They should have put Kyle Allen back in there the rest of that game once they saw him taking that abuse, man. Um, so, I don't know. I, I would be surprised after seeing that if we don't see Haskins again soon. Not necessarily next game, but, I mean – Come on, so, Frank. What do you right. got over there, Frank? I see you. What's up, man? All right. So, a couple things here. Locally, uh, this was known that Alex Smith was going to get in the game. Part of the reason for benching Dwayne Haskins was that they felt Alex Smith was, was more ready. That's why they named Haskins number three guy midweek. Uh, they're going to play Alex Smith, man. They're going to play him until he breaks uh, or or – you know, which is sad to say, right? It's wrong, but they're going to play him and, and continue to play him. So you can, you can wish, you know, him well, it's going to be rough to watch, but that means not quitting either. Nick said he should retire after this year, but he has 20 more million dollars next year and 20 more million dollars the year after he's not going anywhere. So uh, just a couple of notes on there. Should they play Haskins? They absolutely should. 
there's talk here locally that they should trade him, that they're actively shopping him. You're not going to get anything for him right now. You're probably not going to get anything in the offseason, but um, it's not good. It, it's bad. This is a team midweek that said they were trying for the division, and that's why they were making the change. And it took about two quarters for us to realize that wasn't going to happen. So, yuck. Yeah. Given what happened in some other NFC East games, I would say they have as good a shot as anyone. And we'll get to that later, Ryan. I'm sorry to touch on that. I see you shaking your head. Uh, Frank, I I was reading something about Haskins, and obviously you're local, so tell me if you've been seeing this too. But it sounds like it was as much a performance issue as it was a culture issue from Ron Rivera, who's a culture guy. There was one report that said after last week they lost, but Haskins was bragging in the locker room that he threw for 300 yards, and that was what tore it for Rivera that they lost and Haskins was bragging on his individual stats and Rivera said, that's it. You're done. Like you're not, you're not buying into the culture, not buying into the scheme. You're not playing that well. And that just tore it apparently with him and with locker and leadership. Yeah. I mean, Haskins was the guy last year who during their first win uh, couldn't go out for the kneel down because he was busy taking pictures with fans. So does any of that story surprise you or not feel true? That's just kind of who it seems like he is now. It's unfortunate um, because he has a lot of talent and they need a quarterback. They need a face of the franchise. And unfortunately it looks like he's not it. All right, Frank, we're coming back to you and Nick on the next game. Dolphins 43, 49ers 17, our third yeesh game of the week. This was not what I expected. I mean, I thought the Dolphins would win, but damn. Yeah. So big surprise, right? Dolphins win games that they're not supposed to win and then uh, look average in every other game. So Fitzpatrick heard the, the must have heard the rallying cries this week that the media and the team were looking at options for Tua, when they could play Tua, when they could sneak him in. They have a bye week coming up in two weeks. So there was a lot of that commotion behind the scenes and Fitzpatrick goes out and has a great game. The big surprise here for me is that Jimmy Garoppolo did not look healthy playing and they, they trotted him out there. I don't know if it's because Nick Mullins looked so bad last week that they felt the need to do that, but clearly he wasn't ready, and it took him about two and a half quarters to realize that before taking him out, but it was way too late. And once again, we saw C.J. Beathard, which so depressing. I think this is a team that's supposed to be a Super Bowl contender, and right now I don't know that they're the third best team in their division the way they're playing, and I know injuries take part in that too, but – uh, I'll defer, but I, the word for here is sadness because that's what the 49ers look like right now. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good word for the 49ers right now. I mean, my, my word was bloodbath because that's what this turned into. The, the Dolphins smelled blood in the water, and they just went after the Niners defensively and offensively. Uh, they saw that they just couldn't do anything. They couldn't stop that offense. Fitzpatrick had one of his Fitzmagic magic games. He does these every once in a while where he just goes off and, and the dude can put up numbers. Next week, he'll throw for 112 yards and four interceptions. It's just what he does. But for whatever reason, man, they just wanted to go off. But you're right. It, this came down to more Jimmy Garoppolo. He has an ankle injury, and it's on his right foot, I believe. So every time he went to plant, you could see he wasn't putting pressure on that. So every time he tried to throw, he was either sailing it or throwing it straight in the dirt. He did not have um, any leverage coming from his lower body, which when you, when you throw a ball and you're trying to, you know, get it into tight windows, you need all that torque in your hips and in your legs to be able to get that ball where it needs to go. And he didn't have any of it. Um, unfortunately, that the, the team didn't look right. The Niners haven't looked right all year. I mean, they, I don't think they've had their starting 11 offensive players on the field at one time at any point this year. Um, Cause Debo 
didn't look right either uh, with him coming out. So uh, I know they got Mostert back, but then they completely ignored McKinnon, who tore it up the last two weeks. So uh, it's been a very interesting thing with the Niners. I think they're just probably going to call it a year here soon um, and then just try to reload and, and get healthy for next year because right now it's just not looking like it's going to go anywhere. All right, next game on the docket, and this one was probably the most heartbreaking game from this weekend. Ryan, you and I have got this one, Giants 34, Cowboys 37. I'm going to get this one started, and then for the second week in a row, I'm just going to give you all the time you need just to let your Cowboys sadness out into the ether. This is a safe space, so save it for the end, and then you can do what you got to do. So my word for this game is a bit of a vocabulary word, but it is fearic as in Fearic victory, which means something that's won at too great a cost to have been worth it to the victor, which I think perfectly describes this game because if you ask the Cowboys now, they would rather lose that game and have Dak for the rest of the season than win that game and lose Dak because with how bad the NFC East is this year, if they lose that first one in the Giants and they keep Dak, they still probably win the NFC East and make it to the playoffs as like a 7-9 and nine team. Obviously, you know, we want to – Hope Dak's okay. It was a pretty nasty ankle fracture, dislocation, all of the above. And we want to see him, you know, come back healthy and keep playing football. But as football fans, it also sucks because he was in the midst of a potentially truly historic season, which is something that every football fan, regardless of your opinions on a team, should want to watch. He was potentially going to throw for 6,000 yards this year, shattering the record. And that would have been fun to watch. I don't care about the Cowboys one way or another, but it would have been cool to see as a football fan just to witness some history. You know, now they have to turn to Andy Dalton, the Red Rocket. I know, Ryan, you and I in the offseason, we went back and forth on, would you rather have Dak or would you rather have Andy Dalton plus another $24 million of cap space to sign some defenders? Obviously, we didn't know the way Dak was going to be playing, you know, this season. But it's, you know, we're going to have to see. And I, I was in the Andy Dalton camp, obviously not knowing how Dak was going to play. So it'll be interesting to see how this offense changes and how, you know, Kellen Moore adjusts with, Andy Dalton under center going forward. So weekly update, uh, the Cowboys defense is dog shit. It's like watching a big 12 defense on Saturday and it makes me sad to watch it as a football fan because they can't tackle or cover and it, it just hurts me. Also, so it's like watching the OU defense then basically. Yeah, it, it is basically. It's like watching a college big 12 defense and it's not good. Uh, also, the Giants are still bad. The, don't let the Cowboys defense fool you into thinking that Daniel Jones is good. The Giants are bad. Please remember that. All right, Ryan, the floor is yours. So, yeah, I, I take notes for the pod as I'm, as I'm scrolling through games. Um, this one I didn't get past the Dak injury. Didn't feel like taking any notes on that. So any, anything that happened after that, I don't have notes on. It's just a blur at this point. Um, so we're just going to start from the beginning. Cowboys with another rough start to the game, letting you know New York was like 17-3. to three at one point or something like that, like real ugly, right? And the, the announcers even said, oh, we talked to Dak this week, and he said, you know, we really need to come out and start strong. And then he just fucked it up, man. 17-3 to to the Giants to start the game was bad. Luckily, we had a, a strip sack and all that to bring us back and tie it up rather quickly, honestly. It was before even – I feel like it was halfway through the second quarter. We were tied up again looking in like we were in good shape. Um, to touch on the defense, um, yeah, it was nice to finally see Dallas get pressure – um, unfortunately, you know, it took a, a child with the pocket awareness of a water buffalo to get it done. Um, Daniel Jones just standing back there, just waiting to be fucking blasted by Demarcus Lawrence. Um, the strip sack was a thing of beauty. That's what you paid the man for. Um, like I said, 
Daniel Jones has quite possibly the worst pocket awareness in the entire league. He, there was not only one guy back there about to crush him. There was two others coming. So, like I said, it's nice to see, but uh, it's not lost on me who it was against. Um, and then quickly to touch on the Giants as well. Tony Romo and Jim Nance seemed quite sure the Giants weren't, were, were not going to be getting rid of Daniel Jones after this year. Uh, they said, yo, he's not going anywhere. Um, and as a Cowboys fan, it made me real happy to hear that. Um, as a football fan, I don't understand how that can be true. Uh, the amount of QBs in the league right now that are starting caliber and the, and the, the amount of jobs that are available right now starting to swing in the opposite direction. We're starting to have a lot of starting caliber QBs in this league who are playing backup roles. And then every year we're still getting a new crop of talented QBs from college as well. Um, so things are starting to change. And I don't know how you can say Daniel Jones is definitely going to be the guy here next year when, when that's the case. Um, if they don't draft a guy, which I, like I said, I don't see how that's going to be. If they don't, if they don't draft the guy in, in the draft to replace him, then you know they're bringing in Foles or Winston, Fitzpatrick, Mariota. They're bringing somebody in here to compete with him and probably take his job because, like I said, man, the, the pocket awareness is just egregious. Um, and then the Dak injury. Um, yeah, that was real sad for sure. Uh, that was hard to watch, uh, not just for the gruesome video itself, but – um, just seeing everything he's gone through, everything he does for the team and the community as well. It was extremely tough to watch that. Um, the tears coming out of his eyes, man, it was really rough. Um, it made for one of the worst football weekends I've had in a long-ass time, um, especially with the Longhorns losing in quadruple overtime on Saturday. It was it was very, very hard this weekend. Um, and I'm not excited to watch Cowboys games anymore this year. I don't want to watch Andy Dalton. Truthfully, Andy Dalton's going to look good. We can maybe even trade him for a pick at the end of the year because he's going to put up nice numbers. I think he's going to look good. I don't think passing-wise, he's a very big step down at all, truthfully. Um, Improvising-wise, obviously, mobility-wise, I think it's a little bit – it's obviously better with Dak on the field. But passing-wise, um, we'll see. You know, as long as he can – he's learned the scheme from Kellen – like I said, I don't think it's going to be a terrible step down as far as like throwing accuracy and, and stuff and picking it up, picking it up. He's obviously a veteran. He knows what he's doing, but yeah. Um, regardless, I don't really care to watch it. I mean, I will, but I'm not excited to. Hey Ryan, I did have a question for you though. I don't know if you saw um, the interview kind of with Tony Dungy when he was talking about Dak Prescott, but he actually made a comment that got some, negative response rightfully so as he said this was actually a blessing in disguise for the Cowboys um in the sense of Dak's now hurt he can't put up the numbers going into an offseason where he doesn't have a contract uh, unfortunately Dak did what we all want him to do everybody complains about guys on a holdout and Dak didn't hold out he went and he balled for his guys and unfortunately he might pay for it do you think the Cowboys are gonna shortchange him because he got hurt do you think they're gonna try and use this against him so the Cowboys have come out and said that he's still going to be the future, right? First off, that is pretty disgusting to hear. I have not heard that uh, from Tony Dungy. That's pretty, that's pretty sick, honestly. Um, but um, the Cowboys came out and said he's still going to be the future. You never know with, with the Cowboys uh, front office. Jerry Jones is kind of a wild card, but I know Jerry loves Dak. Um, they've panned up to the, the owner's booth after the injury and that, you know, Jerry's holding his, his consoling his wife up there. You know, they're honestly a, a mess seeing that happen. I honestly personally would be surprised if he doesn't get an extension before the end of the season at this point, I think they're going to take care of him. 
and I don't necessarily think it'll be shortchanged. I don't think it's going to be much higher than he was asking to start the season. Um, I don't think they're going to increase it by a ton, but I think they can still get the deal done. And I would hate to see them try and do another franchise tag um, after this year. That would be, that'd be pretty sad to see from a Cowboys fan point of view, because at this point we're all very attached to Dak. Um, realistic Cowboy fans know what he can and can't do. And I just talked, touched on how the, you know, the starting, the, the number of starting caliber quarterbacks in the league is very high. Um, but well, you know, you know, we don't want to see Andy Dalton out there every week. We want to see Dak Prescott out there every week. So we're not going to be high enough to draft a rookie anyway. So you might as well pay for a guy that you want to see every week. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're at. All right. On to mildly less depressing news. Well, for everybody, probably except for myself, this one is still pretty depressing for me. Not going to lie. Frank, you and I have the Colts 23 Browns 32. Frank, why don't you go first, and I'm just going to get in my feels for like 45 seconds. Yeah, we should we should give you as much time as you need. You know, we gave Ryan time. Uh, Nick got lucky that he didn't have to give up his time and talk about how his Bears got lucky, and then, you know, we talk about the Chiefs and all there and stuff. It's fine. It's cool. It's okay. Yeah, most fake 4-1. and one. Besides the team we're about to talk about, the Cleveland Browns at 4-1. and one. Uh, It would be the Cleveland Browns' luck that they're 4-1 and one in a year where they are – third place in their division right now at four and one. Uh, how about that? So uh, I think there's not much to take away from this game other than Philip looks exactly like Philip looked last year. Not good, but yet he got more money to, to come and do it somewhere else. Uh, Cleveland is just making, making it happen. I, I don't, I don't know one thing. I think they're doing great. I just think they are putting up points and it's working for them. Uh, I'm super excited to see them play Pittsburgh this week. I think that's a, a, a really good barometer for where they are. This game here didn't tell me a whole lot more about, about the Browns as much as it told me the Colts just aren't where we are. Chris, give it to us. Give us how you, how you feel. This is a how you feel kind of episode. I do not feel good about Indianapolis. Our flaws were exposed and they start and end with Papa Phil Philip Rivers back there in the pocket with his weird-ass shot put throwing motion and his weird-ass wonky scrambling style. And I say air quotes with scrambling because he tries to scramble, he still gets sacked because he's that goddamn old and slow. So uh, my word or words for this game uh, are, dadgummit, Philip Rivers, you mother fluffer. Fudge you, Cleveland. Fudge you, Odell Beckham. Fudge you, Cleveland Browns. I'm fudging over it. And I am so budging over it. I am over the Philip Rivers experiment already. The, we, we had a small – we had two key injuries this game. Jerry Sunder on defense was out, our probably second-best defensive player, given how the force buckets been. And Anthony Costanzo, a criminally underrated left tackle, did not play, and we had to put LaRaven Clark in. And once we took away the best offensive line left to right in football from Philip Rivers, he – crumbled now admittedly it was a good pass rush it was a good Browns defense but I the, the two interceptions were both inexcusable the second one was just so bad it was Sheldrick Redwine had just checked into the game after someone got ejected or hurt and the announcers could not even finish their tidbit of this is the first snap he's taken this whole season before he had instantaneously intercepted Philip Rivers on his very first snap of the season in week five this dude it was rusty as all can be, and he picked Phillip Rivers on an egregious throw. I, I, I like the Colts. I still think they're a decent team, and they'll be fine when Costanzo gets back. But, like, 
we're not in any way, shape, or form a Super Bowl contender. We are firmly in that second tier of we are going to get exposed by teams that are elite across the board. We have T.Y. Hilton and a bunch of Madden creative players at wide receiver right now. Our tight ends are Jack Doyle, who is slow, and Trey Burton in his first game back, who looked decent, but Mo Alley-Cox was balling out for four weeks, and we just forgot he existed in this game because, ooh, Trey Burton got back, and it was Frank Reich's other shiny toy. And he's six foot two, but he's fast, so great. Uh, I just, you know, the Browns' defense is legit. Odell's got his mojo back. They are winning in the weird way where Baker doesn't have to dominate to win, but it's working for them. Uh, Olivier Vernon just abused us this week because they had him lined up over Larry and Clark, and it was just, it was bad all around. I am sad about the Colts. I am sad. I don't want us to resign Philip Rivers in the offseason. I want a new quarterback. I want a young quarterback that I can get attached to and then hurt again, like I did with Andrew Luck. All right, that wraps up the Sunday afternoon slate. Moving on to Sunday night football, Vikings 26, Seahawks 27. Ryan, Nick, this one is you guys. Yeah, so I've I, I mentioned before, I like the Sunday night games. I almost always catch those um, all the way through, so I, I love watching Sunday night games. And I thought Cousins played pretty decent. I mean, it helps that he only had 11 pressures on 42 drop, packs, drop backs. He is not used to that like a 26% pressure rate. Nick mentioned earlier how high uh, the, the pressure rate was 47% for Burrow. Um, it's definitely easier to do um, to keep that pressure rate that low when the, uh, the opposing team's best edge rusher is Benson Mayoa. Certainly not lost on me there. Um, I think the Vikings actually match up nicely with teams that have weak pass rushes um, with the receivers they have and cousins when he doesn't have pressure in his face is actually starter level and maybe slightly above, but the, the, the cook injury is going to hurt. Um, Luckily, they do have Madison, who I think is one of the best backups in the league. Um, I think they're probably just going to rest Cook this coming week, and then they have a bye week. He'll come back week eight versus the Packers. And the Seahawks, um, what else can you really say? They're on fire. Again, they're still on the roll. Um, it's the first time in franchise history that they've started 5-0. and uh, DK Metcalf. There was a, a throw, and I think it was in the first half, Russell took the snap immediately was pressured and just kind of flicked it and floated it, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe Metcalf could run under it. But I saw the, the throw and I thought, wow, that is uh, – that's like, that's like a really far throw. That's, there's no way. And then it actually ended up being like a yard or two outside of Metcalf's outreach, outreach star. I'm like, the dude is a freak. Um, so many of us just messed up that evaluation. Uh, I, I probably thought 62 overall where he was drafted, that's probably about right. We were all very, very wrong on that. Um, he's shown that uh, you don't really need to be the best route runner to be successful in this league. Um, you got to be fast. His route running certainly has improved, um, but with the speed and the uh, release that he, he possesses is, is all that he needs and all that Seattle needs to make him look good and vice versa. Um, that was really mostly that I had from what I watched. Nick, uh, what did you see, buddy? Yeah, man, DK Metcalf, I think the big thing everybody got stuck on, including myself, uh, about DK was he's stiff in the hips. A guy that big can't be that fast without being stiff. He does not look very stiff out there, bodying up and destroying people, cutting in, cutting out. The dude moves so well. He had 35 pounds on every corner against the Vikings, so no Viking corner was going to man up with DK and get the ball. It just wasn't going to happen. And him and Russ have definitely – Definitely starting to get a lot more of a rhythm going. Uh, we know Russ and Tyler Lockett, you know, can do it at any point. But now that he's got a really good rhythm with uh, DK, it's starting to show. 
Um, and for me, my, my word of the game is halftime. Seahawks did absolutely nothing the first half, but they made some halftime adjustments, and they came out and scored 21 in that third quarter. Russell Wilson just came out and balled. He, they just changed it completely. They attacked the heck out of that defense. Vikings, unfortunately, they're I – don't, I don't understand the Vikings, man. They have talent on that team. Everybody coming out of the draft, they had – what was it, 22 guys or something? So they had some crazy number of people coming out of the draft in uh, uh, the free agent market to be able to revamp this entire team, and you're just not seeing it, which is kind of crazy. And at this point, Mike Zimmer's seat is getting hotter and hotter. Um, he, he needs to get something figured out because one and four for the Vikings is pretty tough when a lot of people had the Vikings potentially winning this division this year. Um, so, yeah, for, for me, it was a great game for Russell Wilson. Showed again that he can come back and win a game. Um, they literally scored all 27 of their points in the second half, and the Vikings couldn't do anything about it. Do you know what the number one cure for a hot seat is, Nick? Mike Zimmer's girlfriend? Uh, no, I was going to say the Chicago Bears, but it's actually the Atlanta Falcons who the Vikings play this week. Uh, so they play the Atlanta Falcons, then they have a bye before playing the Green Bay Packers. So that is the perfect game for them to fine-tune everything and be ready for the Packers in three weeks. Moving on to Monday Night Football, Chargers 27, the much maligned on this podcast, New Orleans Saints 30. Frank, Nick, this is your game. Tell us what you guys think here. Yeah, uh, so a couple things here. Well, with the Chargers, come to find out, I guess if Keenan Allen goes down, all of a sudden their coaching staff doesn't know what to do anymore. Uh, we're blaming it on, oh, if he just had more talent, Justin Herbert would make so much better decisions and they'd win this game and they wouldn't have blown a 20-point lead to the New Orleans Saints and an old Drew Brees. Uh, I, I, the word for this game is LinkedIn. And that is where Anthony Lynn should go. And he should put his resume on there and he should find a new job. The Chargers continually disappoint me with the fact that they think it's okay to let this man run their, their team on the field. And I think he's a nice guy. He seems like a good dude in interviews. But clearly he does not know how to be a head coach. He cannot find a way to lead this team to wins. And they're going to have another disappointing year, another top 10 pick. Maybe they'll draft an offensive line or at least they'll act like it and, you know, go and do something else. So good luck to the Chargers. I can't wait to see how they screw this up in the offseason. Only 11 more games to go, guys. You're almost there. Nick, be yeah, more positive I, than me. I, <laughs> I dare I you. Know. I don't know that that's going to happen. I, my word, my word, words, because there is two of them. Um, Here we <laughs> fucking go. Unbelievable. <laughs> for the game is positive, though, because it's jump ball. Because oh, I don't know okay. if everybody saw the Mike Williams jump ball over like three Saints defenders was absolutely incredible to watch. That dude just – he's not a great overall receiver. He's not going to produce every single week. But him and Herbert are going to connect well because he Herbert will launch the hell out of that thing and Mike Williams will jump out of the freaking stadium to catch that ball. It is crazy what that dude will do with his big frame. But, I mean, yeah, it comes down – I mean, Keenan Allen, the moment he was out of that game, that entire offense died. Like there was – like outside of Herbert just chucking it 50 yards to get any type of momentum going – they had no short game. They had zero running game. Like, Austin Eckler being gone is a huge loss for that team right now. And I think they could have absolutely stomped the Saints if Keenan Allen stayed healthy because the Saints did not look good. Drew Brees with almost no receivers. Um, and supposedly he's supposed to make receivers better. He can't do that anymore. He doesn't have the timing or the arm strength to fit into windows. Brees is a manage-the-game type at this point in his career. I mean, he did bring them back from 17 points down. So I don't know. 
if he's managing that game. I, I get where you're going with that, but I mean, I think Emmanuel Sanders looked a lot better than we've seen him look. Uh, he looked consistent. He made plays. Uh, I just want to get back to this again. Keenan Allen didn't call the plays when he was in the huddle, right? Like that offense changed, not because people were stopping catching. He has Hunter Henry. He has Mike Williams. He has Justin Jackson, all these people who have played well in the past. We sit here and say, oh, you know, whose fault is it? I, I don't disagree that it's coaching at all. But I will say, if you take a number one wide receiver out of an offense, it does make the offense struggle because now you don't have to focus on just that receiver. Now you can start focusing on taking Hunter Henry out of the game. Justin Jackson, yes, he's had good plays, but he's not a great running back. So, and that offensive line, I think we all know that offensive line is terrible. Like, Justin Herbert was getting pressured like hell in that game. Yeah, well, that offensive line is terrible, and, and Justin Herbert is going to roll out before he gets pressured because that's what he does, and he over-anticipates and makes a difficult situation for himself, right? So, uh, yes, they lost their number one wide receiver. The, the Saints didn't have their number one wide receiver either, right? Um, well, unless you want to count Kamara as the number one wide receiver. So I, I just think, you know, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to bag on the Chargers because – we sit here and we want to we want to talk about oh man if they only had Keenan Allen Keenan Allen didn't miss that field goal at the end of the game either so let's just go with that and just say that you know, the Chargers are to blame. I'm sorry, I got to jump into that because did anybody see the comment that Michael Badgley is supposed to be uh, Money Badgley or some some crap? He gave himself a money His nickname, nickname is the Money he, Badger. Yes, that is. Correct. And then he missed the kick at the end of the game. Not very money like. <laughs> A white guy from the University of Miami, man. You're going to get this kind of nicknames, all right? Go look up Greg Olson's name from uh, the University of Miami. He's about to join Young Hoku and all the other former Chargers cast-off kickers at, like, the soup kitchen out there in Los Angeles. He doesn't start, you know, money-bagging it, you know, more often before the end of the season. Oh, man. All right. Uh, Frank, this one ended right as we were starting to record, so we can technically do a Tuesday night football review, first ever. Uh, Bill's... 16, Titans, Titans 42. Frank, you can start. <laughs> yeah, so uh, before this, you guys were like, oh, we should just do a blind review. So let me tell you what my blind review would have been. Josh Allen doesn't look good when he's not playing the Miami Dolphins or New York Jets. Uh, let's see here. What else would I say? Derrick Henry going to get a lot of carries. Titans are going to run play action. It's going to work. Josh Norman, not a good cor- cornerback anymore. All those things came true watching this game, right? Like, we, we sat here, and, and you look at what happened, and the Titans just moved the ball slowly but surely down the field. Here's a crosser. Here's a slant. Mike Vrabel must be really good at Madden because that's what his team does. They play crazy defense and then just slant you to death and run the ball three yards at a time. This game, I, I, I can't write off Josh Allen because I know he's had a really good year up until now, but Josh Allen had two extra days to prepare and came out looking like this. Trey White out of the game, obviously that that hurts, and and you leave Josh Norman on your number one guy. But uh, overall, I think huge disappointing performance for the Buffalo Bills. And then now next week they got to play Kansas City. It's not going to get any easier for them. Their schedule tightens up. I'm pretty sure they have the Patriots right after the Chiefs. It's not looking great for the city of Buffalo right now. Thing though, you said you're not going to count out Josh Allen, but we can all agree to end the the MVP Josh Allen talk. Right? Oh no. Oh, no, it's got to come back. Josh Allen throws the ball 75,000 yards down the field. The MVP talk is going to be there the moment he has a good game. Next week, he'll throw for 400 on Kansas City and lose like 50 to 45. And we'll be like, Josh Allen just had one more possession. They would have won that game. So that's what's going to happen. This this is what happens with Josh Allen. It's Gardner Minshew with a strong arm. 
or an arm. Now you've crossed the line, sir. Oh. That was too oh, I'm sorry. I'm there sorry. One got picked words. in the first round. One got picked in the sixth round. They both are sneaky athletic, and no. neither one of them throws an accurate ball. You're taking a shitty mustache versus the Minshew, and there is two very different things, sir. Josh Allen's facial hair is no comparison. The mustache versus the shorts. Yes, I get it. Oh, You're my right. God. You're right. Chris, do you want to tell us what you thought of this stupid game, or do you want to tell me about how Josh Allen's a good quarterback, too? Yeah, you know what? I do. I do want to tell you about how Josh Allen's still a good quarterback, and I do want to make every excuse under the sun for the Buffalo Bills because I fucking hate the Tennessee Titans, and I hate the way they play football, and it makes me sick every time I have to fucking watch it. They're frauds. If if only the Bills didn't practice. If only the Bills didn't practice this week like the Titans, the Bills would have, you know, had a better shot. But the Titans were practicing at a high school field with COVID. That was... (laughs) story they got a high schooler on tmz okay so uh, noted noted titans hater me on this podcast and me applying the very liberal fraud label to them after like week two so what i'll say about the bills really fast is they were missing five starters which hurts uh, the Titans were missing a couple guys, but the Bills were missing Trey White, John Brown, Matt Milano. They're starting guard, Quentin Spain. They were missing good players, but you still – that doesn't excuse giving up 42 to the Titans. And giving up 42 in such an odd way. Tannehill threw for 195 yards on 21 of 28 passing for three touchdowns. And those touchdown passes were a 16-yard pass to – A.J. Brown, a four-yard pass to Jonu Smith, and a seven-yard play-action rollout on the goal line to God knows who. Derrick Henry ran 19 times for 57 yards. I, it is what you said, Frank. They win ugly, and I hate it. And it's why I, I'll, I'm going to begrudgingly take the fraud label off them. I don't think they're, they're frauds because, like, it's working for them at this point and their defense is playing well. But I still don't think they are in any way, shape, or form a legitimate Super Bowl threat because I think you run into the Packers, the Seahawks, the Chiefs, somebody who's just going to absolutely blow by that defense and they won't be able to keep up. And then when you get behind and you get into a scoring chase, then Tannehill's going to have to throw. And I just – I don't think – he's like he's like Derek Carr like he just doesn't go deep really so I I don't think that's a recipe for success in the playoffs so um the other thing I'll say is turnover luck is going to come back and bite this team in the ass eventually they currently have a plus eight turnover differential the Titans do it's the highest in the NFL they've only turned the ball over once this entire season everyone else has turned it over four or five times so that's gonna swing back around and that's gonna come back and bite them in the ass at some point I still think they're probably gonna win the AFC South they're probably gonna make the playoffs but Damn it, I hate them, and damn it, they're just so ugly to watch. It's, uh, I, I just, I hate, I hate it. I hate them so much, and I'm over it. I, I don't want to talk about them anymore. All right, last thing up, as usual, is our games to watch for next week. Nick, get us started and tell us what is one game we should be watching this coming week. All right, so big game coming this week, guys. Um, Green Bay at Tampa Bay. Um, this is going to be two really good offenses. Um, potentially Chris Godwin coming back, but I think we're a week early still. He is starting to work out again, um, but I think he's got another week before he comes back. But Devontae Adams will make his return. Devontae Adams wanted to play last week. I think they held him out um, <clears throat> knowing they could win that game and then get a- Adams healthy for this game. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty good 
um, scoring game on the Packers side. I think the, the, the Packers are not dumb. They saw what the Bears defense did to Tom Brady, and they've got the Smith brothers and Clark ready to go at Brady, and they are going to smash and kill that offensive line as much as they can to get all the pressure they can. So I am going to smash the, the under of 54 points that they got going this week. And right now it's Green Bay minus two and a half. I'm taking that two and a half. Awesome. Uh, so my game is a little bit different in terms of records here, and that's the Lions and the Jaguars. And this game is exciting to me for two reasons. One, whoever wins, they're out of the Trevor Lawrence race, right? We can officially say that. Two, whoever loses, their coach is one step closer to being fired. Doug Marone should be out, should have been out last year, somehow survived. And then Matt Patricia, we all know how we feel about him. So I, I'm, I'm more looking to this game to see who's going to win and then who's going to really win by losing their coach. So uh, that's what I want to see and what I want to know. Ryan, what about you? I've said it before and I'll say it again. I love my Sunday night football. This week we happen to have a good one. Rams 49ers, a little NFC West action. Uh, I don't know what that little head shake for was for. That's that's going to be a good one. Don't disrespect the 49ers just because they don't know what the hell they're doing. Jimmy hey, Bum Ankle Garoppolo. I said and... this before, damn it. Any QB can hand the ball off to the running back, and the 49ers are no different. Their QBs are proficient <laughs> handing the ball off just the same as Jimmy G is, okay? They pass Except too much. They play. Will Jared Goff take a non play action right. passing snap? We'll find out. On... Are, you, are you just hoping that they don't have Ryan Fitzpatrick two weeks in a row to destroy them again? <laughs> yeah, that too. That helps too. Ryan Fitzpatrick, old streaky old man. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be a good game. I usually try to pick a, a game that I like the lines on. I'm not sure where to go on this. Rams minus three and a half right now. Um, if I had to take a side, I probably would take that minus three and a half uh, because just because of the quarterback uh, situation at, at, at San Francisco right now. Um, I think you, know, you got the offensive coordinators, right? You got the Shanahan offense versus the McVay offense, both highly touted offensive coordinators. Um, 51 points, kind of high, but I kind of like it too. Um, I don't know. I'm just really excited to watch, and uh, you'll hear my review next week because I definitely already called dibs on this one. All right, and my game to watch next week, Frank, you had mentioned it just a few minutes ago, but Kansas City versus Buffalo on what I would have said is Monday night football, but Ryan has informed me this is, in fact, Monday afternoon football with a 4 p.m. Central time kickoff. So I'm excited to punch out of work early and watch that. But, yeah, so for this game, it's both these teams were undefeated before this week. So how are they both going to rebound following their first loss? Will the Bills get their injured starters back, especially Trey White, in time to run with all the horses that Casey has on offense? Will Kansas City get their defense back in line after getting smacked around by the Raiders and capitalize on a very turnover-prone Josh Allen, who's going to be looking to prove some counters wrong this week? I, I think it's just going to be a very interesting game, uh, and I'm excited to watch it given everything that's kind of at stake there. And also there's just two very young, talented QBs in both teams that I really just enjoy watching recreationally just for how they play football. So it's going to be a good one. All right, quick question. Everybody can only say one name, Mahomes or Allen. Who has the bigger arm? Holmes. Allen? Question mark? Definitely Josh Allen for sure. Okay, I'm going Allen too because I, I do think he's got a bigger arm. Not by much, but I think he does. I'm sorry. I, I think the ball is going to go straight when Mahomes throws it. Allen's might go more distance, but it's going to go about 45 yards to the left, so it doesn't count. <laughs> 
Oh man, we're gonna have to do some like random offseason like arguments, like arguments about like random stuff like that, just when there's no more football to talk about. Uh, all right, that wraps up the week five NFL review episode of the Quadruple Option Football Podcast. As always, like and subscribe, Spotify, Apple Podcast, at Quadpod Football. You guys know the drill by now. I've been saying it every single week. Appreciate y'all listening, and we will be back next time.